Oh, what up? We're back with another episode of Big Ten Coast to Coast. It's your boy, Ant Wright, along with Maddie Matt Lukens. What's up, man? What up? I feel like uh, I'm in a fever dream. I slept about two hours last night. Just popped my uh, caffeine and Adderall, and uh, we're good to go for another 12-hour shift of watching college basketball. I spent last night, I watched the second half of Purdue Fairly Dickinson like three times through. Um, and especially the final eight minutes, I really wanted to see like what happened because neither team scored over like a five to six minute span. And I, I would understand that from fairly Dickinson standpoint, because they, they couldn't really get off a shot within eight feet unless it was in transition. Right. Um, right. But I wanted to see what Purdue was doing offensively and how fairly Dickinson was guarding it. Um, basically, if they if Purdue made a clean catch or a rim, they would go for a strip or or just foul them. They didn't care. They just didn't want them to get up a layup. Um, right. You didn't want them to get a shot attempt. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So the only shot it's like. So it's a little bit misleading when, you know, there was that one step. I think that you gave me, you said, um, over like a six-minute span in the last – like, like seven minutes and 40 seconds to 55 seconds. There wasn't a single two-point shot attempted by Purdue. That was the statistic. Right. So, like, with so within that span, there technically wasn't. But, you know, what? there was a lot of – there was a lot of fouls within eight feet. Because <laughs> when they got – There was a lot of hacking – they were they went straight to hacking and you know what um it paid off and it really forced Purdue to take a bunch of threes and they hit maybe one or two and and that's how you pull an upset um let's just let's just talk Purdue first and get it out out the way um what are your what are your overall feelings i know we had like an hour and a half space last night that i expected to go maybe 15 20 minutes <laughs> but it got it got pretty um, it got pretty heated and pretty um, emotional because we both care about the Big Ten. At the end of the day, even though you're an Indiana guy, um, I know you want the Big Ten to to do well. But I know you took satisfaction in last night. But at the same time, that's still a bad look for the conference, and that's going to impact the conference over the next several years. Um, what did you take away from last night? Well, my personal outlook on, on everything is this. IU, from an IU perspective, selfishly, I was very happy, right? It's like watching your your little brother fail a layup attempt, right? It's it's kind of funny. It's hilarious. You know, in the moment, it's, it's you know, everything you'll talk about from here on out, right? But if I take the Homer portion of my brain and I – extinguish it into space for like half a second. I take a step back, right? And I realize that for the Big Ten, this is this is judgment day. That's what it is. This this is what happened. This is this is um everything that the conference has done for the last since they won a national championship in 2000 with Michigan State since for 23 years, this is the culmination of everything that has been wrong with this conference. Okay. Everything. This is a fairly Dickinson team. that shouldn't even have been in the tournament. I know if you're listening to this podcast, you know, all of these 
fun facts, right? Like Merrimack won that you know that conference, the the MIAC, right? But they can't go because they're transitioning from D two to D one. Um, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson was the third best team in the league in the regular season, and they were lucky to to even make it to the conference tournament final, where they still lost to Merrimack, and they still got to go anyways because again, Merrimack is transitioning. They're the smallest team in Division One. Um, they don't have a guy over six six. All these fun facts, and they still they went out there and they out hustled, they out athleted, they out worked. Purdue, and this has been a problem consistently for the Big Ten since 2001, basically. Right? You have an Indiana team that makes the final for uh, in the championship game in 2002 gets out athleted by by a, a fantastic Maryland team, just outworked, outclassed. You go and you look at the Michigan teams that made the championship game. Both of those games, or both those games, were great games. And Michigan just didn't have, again, the athletes to win those games, right? At the end of the day, straight up, they just weren't the better team. And then you go and look at the Wisconsin team that made a championship game. Same thing. This has been a problem for the big time. And it all comes down to other conferences getting pros, getting guys who are just a step ahead a step faster, you know, uh, uh, 20 pounds stronger than the guy next to them, right, in their position. The Big Ten teams have been behind talent-wise. They've been behind development-wise. They've been behind play style-wise to all the other major conferences. You can point fingers at the ACC. You can point fingers at the Big 12. You can point fingers at the SEC, right? Maybe not the Pac-12, but, you know, the Pac-12 won't exist in about two years anyways, so we're not really going to poke fun at them. All of these other major conferences have had champions in the last 20 years because, because of the way that they play, the style that they play, and the players that they pursue. I think this is, a, this is the perfect wake-up call for the Big Ten. Really, seriously. You go and look at the teams that are remaining in the tournament for the Big Ten. They're all either A, have pros, or B, are guard-centric. Michigan State, guard-centric. Northwestern, guard-centric. Maryland, guard-centric with a, with a pro, right? Indiana, two pros. One of them is a pro guard, right? This is not some sort of mystery. You know, you go look at Iowa, right? They have a pro, but they're not guard-centric, right? They're all wings. And look what happened to them. They lost in their first game to Auburn. It was just a team with a bunch of bunch of guards. You go and look at Illinois. Wings lost to a team with guards. Go and look at um, Purdue. Lost to a team literally made up entirely of guards. College basketball in 2023 is a guards game. Straight up. And uh, the Big Ten has slowly worked its way away from that. And you add in the fact that our, and I quote, best coach in the conference, National Coach of the Year, got absolutely outcoached on the, on the national stage in front of everybody is an embarrassment, right? So I do think that Big Ten teams need to take a long look in the mirror, the ones especially that have not won 
uh, a torment game this year. They need to take a light, nice long look in the mirror and go, are like, is the play style we are trying to play? Are the players we are trying to pursue? Is our logic, whatever we've been, you know, trying to build this program, you know, insert Purdue, insert Illinois, insert, you name it, Iowa. Is it going to work in the long term? Because the answer, more likely than not, for the last 23 years has been no. Right? And so I'm sitting here, and, and you're sitting here with me, and those of you listening are sitting here with me, scratching our heads on the 18th of March at how Purdue is the second team ever to lose to a 16 seed. And you know what, Ant? I bet you, because you just talked about how you went through the second half of that Purdue game three times. I bet you it was more confusing each time you watched it. Am I wrong? It was more confusing because I kept seeing the same issues and I kept seeing the same things happening in the game. And Purdue was so stubborn on going through Zach Eady. I just couldn't understand it. This was the perfect game to play TKR extended minutes. The perfect game to play Caleb first extended minutes. They played Zach Eady for 35 minutes, and they tried to run an Eady-centric offense for 35 minutes against a defense that was literally saying, if you run this shit, we are going to not only make it chaotic for you, but it's it's going to be so not smooth that your guys who need smoothness who need that? Who need that? You know, potent offense need a good rhythm. Those guys are not going to be able to be able to even shoot to help Zach Eady. So I thought that this was a good game where Eady would have played 20, 22 minutes, honestly, and you would have played first and UKR a bit more. Yeah. First would have owned that matchup. First would have owned. First would have. First would have killed it. At six ten, six first eleven. Killed it. He would have been fine. TKR at his size, he would have been fine, and they would have been a little bit better getting up and down in transition. You have bigger players, better athletes. This is a game that you run away with in the first half, and at halftime you're up by 30. And this is one of those games where, you know what, I do have a national player of the year, but at the same time, I got to understand that this matchup, this needs my bigger, more versatile players out there who don't just go block to block. I need yeah. players who can go block to block, elbow to elbow, wing to wing, top of the key, hit shots, right? That's what they need. They needed to be quicker, not clunky. Yeah. And, you know, this is a prime example, a prime example of, like, you want to play this clunky style of play and they didn't even run offense. And, and that's another part that I'm really shocked, shocked at. they didn't run offense. And then when they tried to run offense, the FDU scheme against Zach Eady blew up everything, blew up everything. And, um, you know, like I really don't want to, you know, get, you know, too far into the Purdue stuff because we, we we do have to talk about a couple other games. But, um, you know, Matt Painter is making the Big Ten look really bad. And you can't – you can't be you, – you can't get an exit the way that he's been getting an exit. 
He's done it four years in a row. Four years in a row he's done this. Well, three. Three, right? Three. Well, three with a break, but then the last four tournaments. But but he was – that was the 2019 with Virginia. Like, Purdue and Virginia were, like, playing each other. So, mm-hmm. Like, I'm realizing now, those two teams – do you know why it went to double OT and it ended the way it did? It ended that way because those are two teams who – really don't know what to do when they get in that moment and someone had to win. <laughs> That's what yeah. happened. I'm in, I want to go back and look at that bracket. I want to go back and look at that bracket to see which way the right dominoes fell in order for those two teams to meet in the Elite Eight. I need, I need to go back and see that. I don't remember what happened, but they had to have had gotten serious Car- breaks. Carson went crazy. That's what I remember. That too. I remember Carson averaging like forty. He was, yo, he was killing. I don't know what he was averaging, but it was like it was like thirty to forty points. I swear, he was he was doing like Steph Curry type of explosion type of scoring. Like he was willing them to so many games. And um, but Virginia, Virginia was they had some weird stuff happen in the Final Four and the championship game too. So it's I don't know. It's very very strange. But like you. You go back and look at what Virginia has done, losing to all these terrible teams in one year, winning a national championship. Um, Tony Bennett and Matt Painter are like regular season dogs, bro, like absolute dogs. You know who they remind me of? They're, they're, they remind me of Thibodeau from the, from the NBA. You're just going to play mm. your way. You're going to play extremely hard throughout the regular season because nobody else is in the NBA, right? So you're able to get several more wins just because your approach to the game is more is more playoffish, right? But then you get to the playoffs where everyone's playing hard, then you end up losing in the first or second round. <laughs> but you're during the year because you yeah. do such a good yeah. job in understanding the uh, the schematics of your opponents and all this stuff, and you just know the little gimmicks that like really annoy people. And but then when you get to the postseason, when you're playing a really good team who could do the same thing back to you, butts get tight. You know, it's a it's a bit off. But I, I don't want to labor this too 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 much, or is it belabor belabor this whatever? I don't want to stay on it for too long. Let's talk. Um, Let's talk Michigan State, Southern Cal. Um, I thought that was a game. Southern Cal is not good. They they need to really get their stuff together before they join the conference, or they're not going to get out get out of it. I know people are down on the Big Ten. I get it. Whatever doesn't mean that the that the regular season is brutal. Like the regular season is absolutely brutal. You cannot play that isolation ISO stuff. Um, and try to think that you're going to do something. You had this dude, Drew Peterson, out here acting like, like you said on playback, acting like he was Kobe. Drew Peterson, Drew Peterson, that dude, uh, his best two games over the last, what, 10, came against the worst teams, came against Cal. Do you know how many wins Cal has? They have three, three like wins. Six outside of oh, December twenty first to January sixth, they have no wins. They they went they won three out of four in a four game segment. Outside of that, all red, 
all L's. And then you get, <laughs> and then you got um and then who else did they beat? They beat Stanford. They beat Stanford. Do you know how bad Stanford is right now? Stanford is terrible. Seven and thirteen in the league, fourteen and nineteen yeah. overall. Um, those were his two best games where where uh, he had thirty against Cal, twenty one against Stanford. Anyone else with the pulse straight struggling. He was a struggle bus in this game too. Um I liked the game from – I did like the game, though, from Michigan State. I thought Michigan State played exceptionally well. Uh, I thought Joey Hauser played a great game. Uh, I think Tyson Walker played a great game. I liked the energy from Aikens, and I liked his aggressiveness big time. I mean, he had three steals, which was huge. Um, Madison Soko actually was pretty good in segments. I, I know he had his – he had his oh what's what is he doing? I know he had those, but he had some good moments. I thought Carson Cooper coming off the bench, I thought he was absolutely amazing. Um, and then uh, and then you know you can see the bench starting to tighten up now. It's starting to really tighten up. Yeah, it is. they're only playing seven or eight guys. Um, they're they're playing two bigs off the bench. Uh, and Cooper and Kohler just for that little rotation with Sissoko, uh, a little bit of Holloman and then a little bit of Hall. Well, like Hall a lot, but he's dealing with a lot of injuries. So they're they're going to go go with him with with as much time as possible. Um, but I never felt that Southern Cal right. had a chance in this game, even when they made that run in the last ten minutes of the first half. I just think Michigan State controlled the pace and dictated that game from. From the tip to the very, very end. They made it a little bit uncomfortable at the end, I'm not going to lie. They need to make some clutch free throws. But, yeah, I think Michigan State was by far the better team. Uh, you know, I think if they executed at a little bit higher level on offense, they probably would have won the game by, like, 20. Um, I don't think that's a, uh, you know, a hot take. Um, I I did like what I saw from uh, – um, sorry, my connection just cut out. I did like what I saw from AJ Hogard. Um, that game, I thought he definitely at times pushed the pace when he needed to, um, and got out in transition. I thought that was, you know, that's obviously where he's the best. Um, and then yeah, you you touched on. It. I think I think you know between Sissoko, Kohler, and Cooper, Cooper might be their best big. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I like what I've seen from Carson Cooper. I like Cooper a lot. I like Cooper a lot. Yeah, I do like him a lot. I think he needs more minutes, especially for this team, that they need to go through their perimeter, right? This is not an inside team. This is an outside, mm-hmm. this is an outside team. And then in, whenever you can get a dump, a dump off, a lob, or an offensive rebound, that's how you're, you're, you're going to score, right? So I think, you know, someone like Cooper is almost like a less yeah. athletic – Maddie, but more polished and under control, and I think he knows the game a bit more. If that makes sense, um, he know he understands his role more. That that's cool. what it is. Yeah, he, when he's out there, he knows he doesn't. He's not the guy that's going to make a play. Like if he if he makes a play, it's going to have to be obvious. Yes, he has a very high floor, and I think floor. that's what you need for Michigan State. You need a like a almost calming presence at the five on that team. Cause you've got a bunch of erratic 
other guys just, on the team, right? You got a you got a bunch of guys that can just pop off at any moment. Aikens, you know, you've got um, Hogard, you've got of course Tyson Walker. These guys can just blow up at a moment's notice. You kind of need that guy who's just going to be the steady hand. And and you know, I think a Hauser has turned into that kind of for them. And then I think you know, again, Carson Cooper could be that guy. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, he had really good minutes last night. And um, he did. I'm interested in seeing if the, if the leash for Maddie um, is going to shorten up a bit or is Tom Izzo going to kind of still still ride him out um, or go to Cooper a lot earlier, especially when you're getting, you know, deeper into the tournament. Uh, the East has opened up a bit. You know, you have Purdue losing. So up top, you're going to have in the Elite Eight, either Fairleigh Dickinson, FAU, Duke, Tennessee. Duke, very young, new coach. They came ready to play against Oral Roberts. You have the Tennessee team who's without Zakai Ziegler. And then you have FAU and Fairleigh Dickinson up top. Um, this, this East region just opened up for Kentucky, Kansas State, uh, Marquette, and Michigan State. For sure. Yeah, it is wide open now. You don't got to run through Purdue, right? And you get to dodge Purdue, that's as a luxury now, right? You get one seed's out. Uh, Duke, I think, is going to be a fourth in that region. I think they might as well. I said they, you know, I said this when I was watching the Oral Roberts game. I think Duke, because of the way they struggled in the early season, is underseeded. I think they they are very much worthy of a three or two even, right? That's how good they are. So, just with how they're playing, and especially right? that's just, just with how they're playing currently. Yeah, not the resume, but just with how they're playing for sure. I can see how that. they're playing and the talent they have. I would say that too. Yes. Yeah, they're, they'll be a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. That's pretty similar to uh, I remember Michigan in twenty seventeen. Um, they <clears throat> went on that run and they won the Big Ten tournament and they ended that end of their year pretty good and they were a seven seed and right away I said that is tough for Louisville to get a seven seed that should probably be a five you know you're you're that you know them in yep. the second round that's just not fair um, and sure enough they end up winning that game um, let's move on to. Um, uh, who's the third team? Indiana. So Indiana did like there was never any worry about that game. I I do think I do think in the I do think in the first half though Kent State battled, but I think that Indiana was never mm-hmm. never felt like they were they were in a tough position where they felt like they were now acting out of sorts. I think they were still in control of the game, despite the score being a bit closer. Yeah. I mean, IU was what up eight at the half and and it, it really felt like IU was up like four with the way that they had played. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, they clutched up, uh, shot 35% from three. Trace had a, a game for the ages, like 24, 11, 5, and 5 is yeah. insane. 
Okay. And and that's what so people are asking me. Tricks, that's you know, that's just what he does. You know what I mean? No, I know. He he is a, an all time IU player that happens to be playing at a time in which IU has the you know, the least amount of talent it's basically had in the program since we, you know, dumpstered the program because Kelvin Sampson took too many text messages. Do they hang his jersey, yes or no? What are the qualities uh, of the jersey up there? Because every school is different. I, I mean, IU doesn't really hang jerseys. That's the thing. So, I, I, I yeah, I don't think his jersey will be hung. I, I think, if I remember correctly, there's not a single That's number tough. that is – no. Somebody's number is retired, I know for sure, but I can't remember off the top of my head who it is. But – they retire. They retire numbers, but they don't. They don't retire jerseys. Like I, I say, Thomas's jersey isn't retired, right? Like Quinn Buckner's jersey isn't retired. Like these guys, you know, obviously would be more in line of getting that than than Trace, right? But um, his jersey won't be retired, but he will be remembered forever um, by you fans, and there'll be fans like me talking about him when I'm 56 years old with two knee replacements. So. Um, should have seen yeah, baby, he was a PTP. <laughs> but uh, hey, look, I won that game. Uh, Ray Thompson with twenty. Uh, not gonna be a box score watcher here, but you know, uh, they had a tough game from the outside. Uh, you look at Jalen Hitchfino, four eleven from the floor. Uh, Tamar Bates, zero of six with zero points. Um, Trey Galloway, one of three. Boy, tomorrow, he said. He said, "Put me in coach, ready to play." Hey, no, Tamar played actually pretty decent defense for the most part. He gave us gave IU twenty one minutes off the bench, and they needed that. Um, Leak Renew with a nice twelve minutes off the bench as well. Um, but IU is going to need more from Huchfino, Bates, and Galloway in the next game. They're going to need probably IU's best game out of those three all year against Miami because Miami's just all perimeter guys. If you beat Miami, um, we can claim that another win against Purdue because of Nigel Pack. Yes, yes, we can. By the way, did you know Nigel Pack um, and Trey Galloway? I believe also Anthony Leal were AAU teammates. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they played. They played Indiana Elite, I believe, in either seventeen or eighteen together with Christian Lander too. I'm fairly certain. The GOAT Christian Lander? The GOAT Christian Lander, yeah. So that, that was an interesting AAU squad. Um, but, you yeah, know, I, I think, again, like when people ask me about the Indiana game against Kent State, this is the last thing I'll say. I The first thing I went to was they haven't faced a forward line that Indiana has all year. And how could they, right? Like Trace is the best, and I will say this, the best player in college basketball. He did not win the Naismith Player of the Year but he is the best player in college basketball. And they haven't seen somebody like race Thompson either, who by the way, looked fully healthy in this game, fully healthy. He looked really good. And that makes me even more mad. That it does me make me, more mad, it does make me mad too. Cause he's mad. been tripping it's like, it's all like, year you've long. Always had this. You've always had this. Like what's stopping you from always doing this? Like really? 
Well, if he wins, if IU goes to the, you know the Elite Eight or the Sweet Sixteen or you know however far we go in this tournament, and he's playing well in each game, I ain't gonna be mad personally. I go ahead. I'm oh, fine with that. Oh my goodness! Tomorrow, 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 not 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 well tomorrow too, but like race. Tomorrow and race are like, just they're too talented to be acting up like this, bro. But oh, crazy, 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 crazy day, man. Crazy day. But thank you guys for coming in, listening in. We're we're not gonna fully talk your heads off today, but uh, uh no. big day, big day, the next couple days for this weekend. Big Ten teams can move on to the Sweet 16 and get to a second weekend. Um, that's what we like to see um, because Purdue is killing the conf- conference just one year, one tourney at a time. <laughs> and some of these guys got to really pick it up. <sighs> we can't, we can't, we can't blame this all on Purdue. I mean, Purdue is, is, is a major problem, but you got to go look at Illinois. They haven't made a second weekend in what, 20 something years. You got to go look at Iowa. Just keep fighting it out with Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, both Fran and Underwood. I get it, but Matt Painter is being regarded as one of the best coaches in the country. Right? Wisconsin is a cancer. Yeah, I mean, I gotta go. My head hurts. Yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go. Also, Michigan game is starting, so NIT season. Yeah. Uh, all right, later, peoples. <laughs> Bye, guys.